you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Um, today, we are just taking a sober look at where we are as a nation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we wanted to issue a warning and then also um, turn that into an encouragement. Hopefully, it'll be uh, an encouragement. Uh, the reality the reality is the reality. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. what we're looking at happen in the world and what we are facing that's on the horizon, that's, you know, on its way to our country. Yeah. And in some instances we'll talk about today um, already in our country. Right. Right. Um, we, we just are where we are. Those things just are the things that they are. So, so the question is how do we live now, like in the midst of this and what is the encouragement what is the what is the warning to people who love the Lord mm. um, and 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 who fear and revere him? And and I think the Bible paints for us a picture of the warning that points to the character and the nature of God. And again, I want to be very careful because when we talk about who God is and we use biblical examples uh, to be reminded and to even learn about who God is, we are not writing ourselves into these stories at all. Right. I want people to understand that. We do the scriptures a disservice, if you will, when we try to write ourselves into the scriptures. What we should do, rather, is draw out from the scriptures what God intended. Amen. And so one of the safest questions to ask when we go to the scriptures, one of the safest questions to ask when we go to the scriptures is, what is God telling us about himself? Hmm. What is God revealing to us about his character and about his nature? And then a follow-up, because remember, the word of God can be read in any culture, at any time, any place in the world. That's right. That's right. So it's Amazing. not going to mean something for you that it can't mean to anybody else who reads it. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Now, of course, of course, we are walking through, and, and please, nobody hear me saying that the Lord is not going to speak to you in real time concerning situations that you're in where he brings you to passages of scripture and he intends for you to draw out the life application in that scripture. Because the word of God is living and active right. in that way, right? Um, but I want you to understand that God has revealed to us his character and his nature. Not only does he want us to know who he is, but I would say, brothers and sisters, he wants us to um, teach this to our children and to the grands who are listening. He wants us to teach this to our grandkids. Um, and and unfortunately, we failed in this area. So now we're trying to play catch up we've uh we've lost our children we've lost several generations of our children and we're seeing the effects of this um even as it as it comes to bear on our nation yeah um so anyway so we want to talk about that a little bit today before we do though will the great do we have any announcements or any reminders that we want to issue today well if you want to uh email us addisons at afr.net addisons at afr.net uh we get your email sometimes we're able to 
to uh, respond. Sometimes we can't. It just, uh, you know, it just depends. But if you want to email us, addisons at AFR.net. Also, we have our by design challenge going on for the month of August, and it's the Covenant Challenge. And so if you want to uh, participate in this challenge, go to AFA.net slash by design, and you'll see it right there at the top of the page. Uh, something that you can download, sign with your spouse. And it's just a symbolic, you know, way to say I commit my marriage to God and, and to my spouse. And, you know, just something th- that we need to celebrate We need and we need to be serious about is marriage and family. Amen. And so Amen. go to uh, AFA.net slash by design uh, for that. And so, yes, those are the two announcements. Uh, Addison's at AFR.net if you want to. Uh, send us an email. Also, share the podcast. You know, share the archives. You know, of the shows. If it's something that you find that uh, is very helpful and useful to you, you can share the Aaron Addison's uh, podcast. Just go to uh, uh, afr dot net and you can search for the podcast and you find Aaron Addison's and go from there and just share it. Amen. Amen. And amen again. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So, title of the show is a warning. Comfort breeds contempt and apathy. Mm. This is a warning. Comfort breeds contempt and apathy. Mm. And so what sparked our conversation about this, obviously, is what's going on in the world, but then also the discussion that we had with our children. So um, early this morning, we were praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Yes. I don't say that as a point of pat us on the back. I, right. That's what we post to do. <laughs> right. I'm sorry I had to get all New Orleans. Like that's, <laughs> That is not even worthy of... Like, that's not even, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's not right. even like, oh my goodness, you no. guys were praying for brothers and sisters in Afghanistan? Like, that's what, that should be automatic. Like, it should be like, we should be one among Amen. many people, believers Amen. who are doing this. Yes. Like, and when I say one, I mean one family yes. among many believers who are doing this, right? But the reason I'm, I'm mentioning that is because of how we got to this larger conversation. Yeah. So as we are praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, we realize that our kids don't really understand. They don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So we'll began to share with them what's going on in Afghanistan, what is facing our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, which provoked many other questions from them about our presence as Americans in the world. Mm. They started to ask questions about that. They started to ask about our country. Of course, they had questions about our leadership and things like that. And one of the things that Will was pointing out was the history of God in our nation, and how the Lord really uniquely raised our nation up. But we have exported wickedness in the world, whereas once we exported the gospel. And, and we talk about this a lot. And what we have found is that when you paint a biblical picture of the sovereignty of God, now we speak in terms of making disciples, right? Making robust followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you paint a biblical picture Mm -hmm. of the sovereignty of God, showing how God has intervened in the affairs of men over time, Mm -hmm. and then you teach history, you teach um, the history of this country and what was faced by um, the early colonists, what was faced by those who revolted and um, and believed that their cause was a just one, Mm -hmm. was a spiritual one, Mm -hmm. and that the Lord was with them. Yeah. And then you read the evidence of the revolutionaries, okay, <laughs> yeah. that um, that seems to suggest that God was uniquely with them. Yeah. yeah. Some of the instances of Man. divine intervention Man. are not very far removed from some biblical examples that we read. Exactly. 
And so we pulled some of them for you. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about them today. But we're talking about them against the backdrop of what does God do with a nation that squanders his provision, mm. that squanders his divine intervention, right? And and why are we continuing to to sound this alarm and to talk about this? Because I think that it's increasing. What we see happening in our country is increasing and only a ready people will be ready. Only a people who know their God will be able to stand. Mm -hmm. The time is far spent for those who have been cultural Christians. I'm a Christian because I'm born in America. I'm a Christian because we go to church. We've always gone to church, right? Mm -hmm. So the time is over for that because now what happens is for everyone who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are going to be in a place or in a type of situation where what you say about Christ is going to be pressed upon. Mm -hmm. Do you really believe that? Like, you know, what if it cost you this? What if you're called to account for that proclamation? Will you still proclaim it? And so how do we get to the place where we build people? Now, I, we're looking at our children. Yeah. Because you, you cannot cry out about um, the saving of a nation and not think about the generation that will come after you. Unless you would say, well, there will be peace in my time. Right. Unless you're Hezekiah. Right. Uh -oh. I mean, come on, you know, and well, at least we'll, we'll have peace in this time, you know, mm -hmm. but for those of us who understand the generational effects of how we live now, yeah. that it affects future yeah. generations, what we're doing is while we occupy until mm -hmm. the Lord returns, mm -hmm. we are also training our kids and grandkids and godliness and righteousness so that they can stand in their generation. In Amen. fact, to do anything less than this is a failure. Yeah, it's a failure. Right. So so a couple things. Mm hmm. I feel like we don't need proper definitions of words, but sometimes um, the overuse of words hmm. can cause for a loss of the definition of, what it really of means. those words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like the overuse of those words. Yeah. So contempt, the feeling or attitude of regarding someone or something as inferior, base, or worthless to regard with scorn. So we're talking about in this country that comfort has bred contempt and even apathy. Mm. So what does it mm. look like for us to respond to the Lord and his kindness and his grace and his mercy as extended to us? What does it look like for us to respond with contempt to treat that provision as inferior or as base, as worthless? Like, I mean, we really kind of did it ourselves, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> A people who believe that they have done things themselves do not believe that they owe a debt of gratitude to anyone because they believe that they've done it themselves. Apathy, a lack of responsiveness to something that might normally excite or interest or elicit emotion mm. to be void of the ability to respond to something that should under normal circumstances excite you or draw from you an emotion. So if Christians in America can look at what is going on in the world and be unable to respond emotionally, which I would hope that the emotion would drive the action. Yeah. Right. First and foremost, that would be intercession. If Christians in America are unable to look at what is happening in the world and and feel the weight of that and the responsibility of that in at least intercession then that is a clear indication of apathy. Mm -hmm. That means that what we are navigating is we are, we are navigating the apathetic. 
Now, my great concern is that what we have done so consistently, um, and it's been like a progression in, in our country. My great concern is that we have done what we have done so consistently is treated the Lord's kindness with contempt that we don't even recognize that we're doing that. We still think that we are acknowledging God, but really what we are living in is an attitude of contempt. Now, I want to point out something because, again, you go to the scriptures and, you know, y- you meet God. Yeah. You behold your God in the scriptures. And one of the things that the Lord did, and we've talked about this scripture many times. And, and why have we talked about this scripture many times? Because I believe in this country we have forgotten God. I, I really do. And, and listen, there are people who say, no, but we acknowledge God. You know, it's, it's in God we trust. Yeah, but you say that with your mouth, but your heart is really truly mm. far from the Lord. Mm. And how do we know that? Because we wouldn't have the types of accounts that fill up our news feeds. Right. If truly people had a righteous fear of God. Mm. So the evidence is in our news stories. The evidence is is in what is making headlines today in this country that we are not a people, generally speaking, who fear God. And, you know, God warned his people before that once they were comfortable in the land that he was bringing them into. Now, because remember, we say God has brought us into this land. So what was the warning historically to God's people? I'm bringing you into this land. There's going to be great wealth. There's going to be bounty. There's going to be overflow. There's going to be more than enough. And what was the warning? After you've consumed it. Hmm. After you've built your houses. In other words, after you're comfortable, don't forget me. Yeah. And you have to understand that this warning tells us something very important about the character and the nature of God. But it also tells us something very important about mankind. That we are just one short or lapsed memory away from disregarding God. We're just one kind of, oh, I forgot. Oh, that's right. God did do that. We're just that type of lapsed memory away from moving away from a right fear and reverence for God. And that's where we are in this country. There are many, many people who will say, we'll talk about uh, the sovereign hand of God and the founding of this country and then live like they don't owe God anything. Contempt. Or there are people who just don't even know. And by the way, there are people who don't know because we have generations of indoctrination in the public school system where they want no recollection of God's intervention in the establishment of this country. None at all. Total secular education. God is not acknowledged. So it should be no surprise to us that these people are apathetic and treat God with contempt. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addisons. We'll be right back. Hear ye, hear ye. It's a flood warning. It's easy to mock. If you've never seen it pouring, they like. We've never seen rain before. They hear you come saying God sent us gonna pour. So we choose our way and reject salvation, though it's priceless. The same reason was stone a prophet, but the sort of psychic. So please remember we know it was Deuteronomy chapter eight. I'm gonna begin at verse one. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord, your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 
And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Hmm. Know then in your heart that a man, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a mm. land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Let me just say something. It's interesting that the indication that the people of God have forgotten God is that they no longer submit to his rule. Mm. It's not <laughs> that they don't say that he is God yeah. or that God is real or that God is good mm. or God bless America. I mean, or God, God blesses his people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not the, that's not the metric. That's not the measuring stick. The measuring stick that God uses here is that be careful that you don't forget me by not keeping my commandments. Be careful that you don't forget me by living as if I am not Lord and master and ruler over your life. Mm. And so if that's the metric that we apply to American living, then the question is, okay, have we forgotten God? Have our children forgotten God? Do our children, is, are we looking at truly, are we looking at a generation that don't, don't even know the God of America. Well, the stats bear that out. I mean, if you go to, you know, Bonner and, and all those different ones that talk about the nuns, you know, mm -hmm. the ones who yes. are growing up with no uh, religious affiliation at all, that that's on the rise. And, you Come know, on. and so I think it, it, it goes without saying that, yes, this country is raising up a generation that know not the Lord. Come on. Come on. And so what we are trying to encourage and warn today is that there's got to be a turning back. There's got to be a genuine turning back. And the turning back is not with proclamations and declarations. Mm. The turning back is to obedience. Mm. It's to doing what the Lord commands. It's to sanctifying the Lord as holy. Remember, the mark of the Christian that, that provokes the question, uh, the question from the culture in which the Christian exists is mm. living an other life. Mm. It's living a life that's so radically different to the lives of people that surround them that people look at them and say, wait, why aren't you, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Remember that surprise that Peter talked about? They're surprised that you don't participate in their debauchery. They're surprised that you don't behave like them. Right. Unfortunately for us yeah. in America, we have not provoked the surprise. Mm. They're like, well, y'all are just like us. So here was the warning back to Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full. And have built good houses and live in them. And somebody just said, well, which one of my houses are you talking about? <laughs> right? It's just a little tongue in cheek. I mean, but what I'm saying is God has been more, more than good. 
man. to us in this country. Man. And man, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll kind of do like a big, huge kind of panoramic here, but I'm building this up to make a point. And I hope that it's not lost here, even <laughs> with my poor sense of humor. Verse 13. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, who mm. brought you out, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Mm. Here's the warning. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power mm. and the might of my hand Come have on. gotten me this wealth. On, you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Verse 19, and if you forget the Lord, your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Again, the evidence of forgetting God is turning away from his commands and putting in place of God other gods. Mm -hmm. Other things that are equally important, other things that we exalt to the level of, if you will, Godship in our lives. Yeah. And so how do we look over the history of this country and we look over the history of what was supposed to be the city on a hill? Hmm. The Puritans came here declaring this was God's gift. This was to be a new Jerusalem of sorts. This was to be a shining city on a hill. What happens when the city on the hill grows dim? Mm. What is there to provoke other nations? What is there to, to elicit the, the envy and the, and the desire of other nations? Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, I think some people would say they would look at, the children of Israel and say, man, how could you have God um, lead you that way? Like basically holding your hand, you know what I mean? And, and, and driving out other nations around you and, and then go into this land and have all of this bounty and then forget and then turn away. Mm. If they could, the children of Israel might ask us a similar question. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, you, and you know what? Another thing is, is, it seems as as though there were periods in Israel where they forgot yes. their history. Yes. You know, uh, they forgot what God had told them to do or it had been lost somewhere. Like even when King Josiah came, you know, mm, they, at, up until that point, the kings were supposed to have their own written, you know, the, the law written out, you know, mm -hmm. that they hand wrote. But somewhere in, in, the, in that uh, time, those things were lost. And. Man, they had to go and find. They found the book of the law. They found these things, you know, and and it was it was like these reforms took place because we were like, man, we found something that had been lost for time, for a long mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's the same way in our country. I, I don't Absolutely. know how many people know the history of the things that happened to cause this nation to be a nation that, that shouldn't should have been a nation. Been. Yeah, exactly it should, right. Shouldn't have been. And so if you go and and look at those stories and some of the history, it's like. 
man, we were not supposed to exist. Yes. Let me share. Let me share some of this um, with our listeners. These are the kinds of things, by the way, if you get the podcast, we'll put a link to this particular article in the show notes so that you can check it out. Hopefully you'll share it with your kids. Um, I have found, especially my daughter, her elective, our daughter. I don't post by myself. They know it's not that. Okay, sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) Our daughter's elective is looking at Christian history biographies this year. So this is, and the first one is the life of Washington. Mm -hmm. And she has been fascinated by Washington's life. And it's interesting, whenever you have stories that look at the spiritual walk of a person or look Mm -hmm. at the spiritual overtones of a person's life, it changes the way we view them. Yeah. Right. To yeah. see the sovereign hand of God in someone's life. Look, guys, if, if you give your kid a secular education and you exalt secularism, you're going to get secular kids. Yeah. You're going to get kids who are unable to discern God's hand in the lives of men. Yeah. Right. And so she's been fascinated to see God doing incredible things through the life of look, a flawed individual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Guys, this is why we <laughs> yes. have to be very careful Never to feel like we've got to be better than God. So what we do is we try to clean up people's histories Mm. because we want people to see how God used that individual. Please, God glorifies himself in using individuals whose histories are not clean. All throughout the Bible. You see, come on, man. (laughs) Come on, man. David, (laughs) you know, look look at Paul. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we we don't need to we don't need to say, no, not Paul. Look, Paul was a good man. Um, Paul would challenge you he on He would that. tell you he would. <laughs> to your face. He would, he would oppose you to your face. Okay. But, okay, so let's look at this. Let's talk about, um, so I came across this article, and this article is really cool. I would encourage you, um, if, you can, if you can get the podcast, print this article out, um, read over it yourself first, and then decide wh- which pieces of it you want to share with your kids as you talk about the sovereignty of God in the founding of our country. Look, it is not wrong to raise kids who love and value what God has done to bring about their nation. Mm -hmm. This is not wrong. Now, what we have tried to do is bring about a value and appreciation for the nation apart from the sovereign hand of God. That's where that pride comes in, you know, and you have to be humble. Either pride or it can be easily wrestled away by a competing viewpoint. True. Well, what, 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 what makes you better than what, what, what? Well, well, (laughs) what I'm telling you is this. I can look at the history of this nation. I know that it shouldn't exist. And the question for me, spiritually speaking, is why? Mm. And then the question today is not only why does it exist, but having arrived at a point that you say, okay, I've seen this nation do some incredible things um, with eternal implications. Then the question should be, and this is the question that is really foreboding. Should it still exist? Mm. Does it still need to exist with what it's doing now versus (laughs) what it was once established to do? I think that becomes the question. Okay, so here's this article. Seven moments of divine intervention in U.S. history. Very, very interesting. I'm not going to read all of the accounts, um, but there are some that I think will serve the purpose of this discussion today that I think will be fascinating to you. Um, It's written by a woman named Stephanie Hertzenberg. Stephanie Hertzenberg. You can probably look this up for yourself. And this is how the article begins. And I'll I'll look at um, two points here. Um, There was a phrase in the 1840s that was banded about in Europe. And this is the phrase, quote, a special providence watches over children, drunkards, and the United States, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) While the comment was undoubtedly meant to be derogatory toward the then young nation, there is no doubting that there was some truth to it. 
American history is littered with truly bizarre moments where the U.S. has managed the impossible, whether because an accomplished enemy suddenly made a rookie mistake, an American got lucky or the weather itself interfered. The United States certainly has some colorful stories that cannot be read as anything less than divine intervention. Now, look, I'm going to share some of this with you. It's so good that yesterday we talked about um, the book of Judges. Mm. And, and it's so good that we talked about how the Lord telling Barak through the prophet, prophet Deborah um, to, to rally up his men, that the Lord was going to give Sisera into his hands. Right. Mm. And the Lord routed, routed, meaning to confuse, routed Sisera down to the Kishon River. And there something <laughs> happened where mm -hmm. the elements, the elements fought against Sisera and his army. Hmm. 900 chariots of iron, people, 900 chariots of iron. I mean, today, when I say that, you're just like, OK, so like a musket. I understand it. <laughs> but if you if you understand the time that we're talking about, right. that was an incredible display of military might against people who didn't even have blacksmiths. <laughs> so a musket against tape. <laughs> OK, I mean, I don't know. Um, so here we go. This this section here, Stephanie writes, uh, Washington dodges bullets. OK, George Washington. I'm just going to read here as she writes. All right. I, I thought about editing on the fly, but it's not my article to do. Sometimes I do. I'm not going to do it in this case. George Washington had more lives than a cat. The man survived smallpox as a child, encountered a Native American war party during one of his early uh, surveying trips, sat in a sniper's crosshairs, survived a series of campaigns that killed a third of his men and somehow survived the entire revolutionary war <laughs> despite lack of supplies and his position as arguably the most wanted man alive. Nothing, however, proves that God had a fondness for Washington. This is what she says. And, and some people can argue over God's fondness for Washington, but I think the <laughs> proof is in the pudding or the jacket full of holes. All right. <laughs> Certainly the sovereignty of God to preserve this man's life. More than the Battle of Mangahelia. I don't know if I'm even saying that right. Manangahila. Somebody who is a historian is going, oh, girl. <laughs> Look, all I want to say, public school. During this battle, I'm kidding. And then, and then they go, but now you're homeschooling. So they'll be mispronouncing it too. Let me continue. Stop throwing me off course, guys. You're doing it to yourself. During this battle in the French and Indian War, General Edward Braddock and his troops were surrounded and attacked. Two-thirds of the British forces were killed, including General Braddock. Hmm. Washington entered the battle with severe headaches and a running fever and had two horses shot out from under him. Four bullets put through his coat and his hat shot off his head. Wow. <laughs> and survived. Yeah. Let's talk about the sudden surge of fog. The Battle of Long Island. This is probably one of my favorites. The Battle of Long Island could have been the end of the American Revolution. The British had all but defeated the Continental Army, but decided to hold off on a final assault until British ships had cut off any potential American threat across the river. While the British waited, Washington decided to attempt an evacuation. He had a single night to get 9,000 men to safety under the Redcoats' noses. Boats made multiple trips across the river, hauling men and horses. When the sun rose, however, a large portion of the American forces were still left in Brooklyn. The British, however, would never manage to capture those men as a heavy fog suddenly descended over the area. 
It lasted just long enough for Washington and his men to make their escape. In fact, the fog, for some inexplicable reason, left New York perfectly clear. In short, the fog somehow hid the Americans without touching anything else in the area. We'll be right back. doings I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of the sovereignty of God in the establishment of this country um, hopefully by way of remembrance so that it would stir you to turn back to God hmm. that you would train your kids and your grandkids to fear God and to understand that we're not just a, a, a random series of like you know just good luck opportunities or good luck chances or that truly the Lord God raises up nations mm -hmm. and he tears those nations down. He drives out nations yeah. to bring nations up in their place. Like yeah, yeah. now we don't, this is not popular to talk about guys. I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you something. I'm very comfortable with my God. Mm. I am very comfortable with who he is. I know who Yahweh is. I'm like, this is not. So when people don't know their God, they are always searching to try to like figure out the politically correct way to talk about what God does. Mm. God is not searching political correctness mm. to, to tell you who he is. Right. So when you look at the history of God intervening in the affairs of men, there are some things that do not pass the political, like, you know, acceptance test. Mm. There, 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 it, it's not, you, you don't say things like that. You don't say that God drives out other nations. You don't say that God drives out other people groups to bring in a group of people that he wants there. You say, well, God is sovereign um, right up until the point where it's not politically expedient to say that God Man. has done that. Man. Look, God is sovereign. Yes. Whether you think it politi politically expedient or not, whether we can still talk about those things or not, mm -hmm. the Lord God is sovereign and he's not changing his character because America. Come on. He's not. So if he raised up and established nations in nations in the past, then he's doing that today, raising up and tearing down. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I want to say, and, and then we'll, which we can start getting the phone lines queued up. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Um, I want to talk about one other thing. And then Will the Great, I'm going to volley over to you because we've been talking about this and talking about, you know, how do we find ourselves in a place where we're so apathetic? Yeah. And we treat the goodness of God with contempt is because we don't know what God has done to establish this nation. We don't know it. Yeah. And because we don't know it, we don't care. We have great contempt, great apathy. Yeah. So one other thing, um, I want to talk about the tornado in Washington, D.C., just shortly after the War of 1812, which truly for most of us, the only thing we remember is that there was a War of 1812. <laughs> right. Guilty. Guys, right. guilty. That's why, that's why we're doing this show. Okay. So shortly after the War of 1812, the British took and tried to burn Washington, D.C. The British took and tried to burn Washington, D.C. The British probably felt quite pleased with themselves when they set fire to the capital of the young nation that had impossibly beaten them 30 short years ago. Apparently, however, <laughs> just to say it succinctly, God was having none of that. For as the British tried to burn D.C. to the ground, a hurricane suddenly came ashore. <laughs> Guys, OK, let me continue. 
The pouring rains put out the many fires the British had set, but the, the downpour was apparently not the only thing that the Lord was using. Instead, the already brutal storm decided to drop a tornado in the middle of the British forces. Wow. I'm not saying it's like the Keyshawn River. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying a tornado dropping down in the middle of your adversaries, like a tornado, like that's not something that you yourself can do Come is what on. I'm saying. Come like on. you, you can't do that. Right. You understand? Right. I'm just, and, and so it's one of those things where people in their right mind mm -hmm. would then turn and glorify God. They might sing like a Deborah song, mm -hmm. like, whoa, okay. You dropped a tornado <laughs> you in the midst of the Redcoats. <laughs> like did you that. did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, you know, when you see something like this, because I think also in this uh, writing right here, it said that not many tornadoes hit that area, <laughs> you on, know. Man. But but the thing is, when we talk about a nation that God has raised up for his purposes and we talked about knowing history and there is a forgetting of the history that it's on the generations to carry on. You know, that that history and to say God did this, God did yes. that. And we yes. see the children of Israel, they they didn't, you know, do that. They they, they didn't go forward and, and, and remind their children what happened and, and then they were brought in under oppression. That's right. You know? So that's, that's a great right. responsibility in being in a nation that God raises up. That's mm -hmm. a great responsibility. You know, and I, I don't think that we really even realize even in you know, uh, America in the church, how great a responsibility it is That's to be right. somewhere like this to to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to to do the things that God is calling us to do. And when we as a nation turn away from that, mm -hmm. man, there's only, there's a responsibility with that. That's exactly right. And I'm going to tell you, I think the reason many of us don't know how to feel about the nation that we dwell in is because we've been indoctrinated. Mm. We've been told to hate the nation that we live in when the Bible tells us to pray that things go well for the nation in which you live, because when things go well for the nation in which you live, mm -hmm. things go well for you. Right. So we live in a country where kids have been trained and indoctrinated basically to want to cut off their own hand. Mm. So you despise your own hand, right? Which is actually not what the Bible says. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. But because we have forgotten, because we don't understand or even believe yeah. that God miraculously established this country. And we can't talk about that anymore, by the way. That's not politically correct. Right. We cannot say that God established this country. That against all odds, God established this country using women hanging up their laundry to send signals yeah. to alert spies. Like these are the kinds of things that when you talk <laughs> about military might, you talk about the British raging against the colonists. What you are talking about is you're talking about 900 chariots of iron coming against people who don't even have blacksmiths. But here's the question, because all of that stuff can get you to the hurrah, right? Like all of that stuff's like, yes, that's right. But the question has to be, why? Hmm. why? Why did God do that? Why was God working like that in the history of this country? Did God have use for this country that he raised it up the way that he did? Yes. That he miraculously worked through the elements to secure victory time and again. Why did God do that? And then the question has to be, the natural question after that then has to be, and are we still useful to God? Hmm. That's are we question. still in a place 
where the Lord preserves for us in this country who we are. Mm -hmm. And guys, and I'm telling you, all of this kind of folds into what we are watching happen on the world stage and, and the right question of what this means for our place in the world. Let me say this and then we'll go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can have a lot of questions about the judgment of God in a nation and how we can tell it. You can have a lot of questions about that. It can be, yes, nations moving in to subdue you, to take you over. We see that in historical accounts in the scriptures. But I will tell you something else that is an indication that the Lord has judged a nation. It's leadership. Mm. Yep. When the leadership of a people Come on. are wicked mm -hmm. and lead the nation into destruction and harm, then surely the Lord is saying, have your way but okay you if that's what you want and unlike any nation listen to me unlike any nation in the history of nations americans elect their leaders <laughs> so if the question is well do the pe are the pe do the people want this is this the nation that i'm dealing with as reflected in the leaders the answer is yes because from among us we raise up leaders we appoint them yeah. we're saying these are the people that we want to lead us. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Joe in Texas. Hi, Joe. Hey, uh, guys, second time caller. Okay. You guys are doing a great, great uh, job. But I had heard this gentleman in the Spanish channel that uh, the, this pandemic stuff, whenever they shut down the churches, they, you know, they left everything else going on. It's because... He explained that the church, there's so much sin in the church, and I'm not saying that everybody's a sinner inside the church. I'm just saying there's so much worldly in the church that that the Lord was trying to speak to the church. Go home and pray and get sanctified. You don't need the church. The church is us and with your family and grow up. That's what he was explaining. And we ran with our, uh, with our necks cut off like chicken heads, you know, uh, go get the stuff because we're fearful. He was talking about being fearful, the church too, because we're not we're not sanctified, and 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 that's and he, and it seems like he was right. You know, we come we're coming back to church, but we're still living the same way. So, mm -hmm. and then I heard I heard another message that that persecution, uh, persecution and tribulation. We're gonna go through it. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the the old the old uh, disciples of the New Testament went through it, and, mm. and, and they backed it up with, with Scripture. Mm -hmm. that, that we're going to see the persecution, and we're seeing it because you had a lot of pastors that had serve, uh, churches, and they put them in jail. So that's my comment, and you guys are doing great. Thanks thanks for the, uh, the Old Testament uh, chapter 8. I really enjoyed that one, too. Yeah. Uh, thank you, De Joe. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Joe, thank you so much. Listen, the Bible says that all who desire to live godly in this life will suffer persecution. So you're right. absolutely right. Like, none of us is exempt. None of us are. None of us is, is, is going to get out of that. I will say this. I, I do have a different theory mm -hmm. as to why the church is shut down. Um, I have some thoughts, but I'm going to hold them because we got some phone calls that are queued yeah. up. Um, but, Joe, I appreciate you, and I'm so grateful for your encouragement. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Jerry, Tennessee. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Will and Mickey. What's up? How hey, you brother. Good. Hey. Hey, it, this is my hundredth time to call, so uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm celebrating. <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. 
Hey, as y'all were talking today, um, you know, most of the time when I think about America's founding, mm-hmm. I think of God kind of like he is described in Daniel. He sets kings up and he mm-hmm. takes them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the, and that's the way I think of what he was doing in America. But as you guys were talking today, a different thought came to mind. What if what he was doing in America was as a result to the cries of the American people? who were probably running around terrified like the Afghanistan people are today, wondering what was going to become of them. And they were godly people to begin with, Mm -hmm. and they were crying out to God. And what we see, those miracles you talked about, Miki, what we're seeing there were the answer to prayer Mm -hmm. instead of God just doing whatever, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. he was going to do. We are so different today than those people who founded America. Mm. Um, We're completely the opposite of them. And, you know, maybe it was the prayers uh, that was driving what was going on at that time. I don't know. It was just kind of a random thought. So, Jerry, thank no, thank you so much for calling. Let me just say, I, I think that you are absolutely onto something. Look, we don't have to um, we don't have to dismiss um, the the effect and the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that we are living in the result of people's prayers. In fact, I was reading another book. I was reading a chapter in a book that it would be difficult to summarize here now, but it was looking at the sovereign hand of God in the forming of this nation. I was looking at that in preparation for this show. And one of the things included in that book were the many prayers of the people involved in the revolution. Mm. They would pray before they went into battle, praying before they strategically yeah. gathered. Yeah. So we cannot dismiss prayer as being critical to the formation of this nation. Right. But again, we're dealing with a people who have forgotten their God. Yeah. So there's no there's no usefulness for prayer, if you will. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? Let's go to Kim in Virginia. Hi, Kim. Hi, Will. Hello. Hi, Mickey. Hello. Hey, I wanted I wanted to share with you something kind of fun. That was fun hearing you talk about the the fires set in Washington. There's another piece to that story which makes it even more fun. God used um, President Madison's wife Dolly uh-huh. to um, save all of the president the Declaration of Independence and Washington's all of the photo documents. Yes, because what she did is when she saw that they were coming and they were going to burn everything, she had all the servants in the house, at the White House, prepare all the food in the house. Like, <laughs> set a banquet. Mm-hmm. They, they laid it all out on the tables, and then they loaded up the wagon, and they took off on Route 50, which here in D.C. <laughs> is called Dolly Madison Highway. Wow. And they took off for Fort McHenry. Mm-hmm. And so... The soldiers were tired, hungry, and they knew they had to burn the White House down. But what the heck? They might as well eat first. So they ate, and then they took a nap, and then they set the White House on fire right around 4 o'clock, which is about the same time that the storm hit. Wow. Wow. And so she had lead time to get to Fort McHenry, where all the documents were there. So we have the decoration and all this stuff today because she had the forethought to cook dinner for all the redcoats <laughs> and leave them at the White House and get the White House. Uh, Kim, that's incredible. Wow, look at that. Hey, thank you so much, Kim from Virginia, <laughs> adding to the incredible nature of the founding of this country. Look, guys, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, when we talk about American exceptionalism, and which, by the way, Will and I looked into that um, and thought we might bring that into the discussion today maybe we we can hold it and Mm -hmm. bring it another day but it's just incredible what god has done 
in this country and through this country. And even people who are a little bit uncomfortable at the discussion, I just want you to know it's because you've been indoctrinated. (laughs) It's because you've been taught to hate the nation that the Lord your God raised up that you would live in. And he raised this nation up for his express purpose. I'll end with this again. The question is, have we outlived that purpose? Have we so radically turned away from the Lord that we have jeopardized the purpose for which God established us? That's the question. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.